Hi, everybody. Welcome to the February 14th, 2020 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Duzuti. Thank you very much for joining us, and happy Valentine's Day. Let's get a quick take on the Denver City Council passing an ordinance that showed a little love and would allow pit bulls in Denver through a strict registration program. However, Mayor Michael Hancock announced this week that he is unsure if he will sign it. Patty Cahoon from Westward, as we tape on Friday at noon, we have not heard from the mayor's office if he has decided to sign or veto the bill. If he's going to veto, he has to do it, I think, today, uh, but he might sign it up until Sunday. At least that's, that's the understanding. Uh, what do you think Mayor Hancock will do? And even if he does veto it, what do you think the city council will do? Well, I think he'll do whatever Eric tells him to. We're about to hear that. No, that he has until Sunday. We wrote that this morning that they extended, he's extended his decision to frame to Sunday. So maybe we'll actually be timely on this show. He, it would be wrong for him not to sign it because this is a smart, common sense bill. It gets rid of breed ban, uh, bans that are specific to breeds and instead opens up just bad dogs are what we should watch for, not three breeds that have had some bad dogs. David Cooper from the, from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. David, are you surprised by the mayor's stance of, on this particular issue? No, because it's not clear exactly where the political advantage lies for his future career on that, so that bears consideration. Um, as I've been saying since 1990, pit bull is canine defamation. It's the wrong word to use. Uh, American Staffordshire Terriers are one of the most popular breeds in the United States for many, many years. Um, and some of them are mistreated and trained to fight in a pit. And that those, those are pit bulls, but not the Staffordshire Terrier in general, which, which got banned. The proposal or the, the bill that passed the, the council would actually say for the, the Staffordshire Terrier, you need a special license to have one in, in Denver. And then after three years, if the dog hasn't caused any trouble, then you can just get the, the regular dog license that all dog owners have to. So I hope the mayor does the right thing and signs it. Eric Sonderman, uh, columnist with Carter Politics, a, a weekly uh, uh, political analyst here. Uh, Eric, is there enough support in the council to make the, the mayor's official stance on this irrelevant? I don't know exactly whether they could sustain a veto. I don't know what Michael Hancock is thinking here. Patty made reference to a, a, a column I wrote a week ago, basically saying the third term was off to a start, marked more by malaise than active engagement. I would love to be proven wrong on that over the uh, long span of, of this third term. Uh, just to mix it up a little bit here, I'll go the other way. I, I hope he vetoes it. I, uh, you know, this sounds, with pit bulls, it always sounds like a great idea until something goes wrong. And uh, this one will come back to bite, so to speak. And um, wouldn't bother me if he vetoes it. I don't have a dog in the fight, so to speak. But um, we'll see. That was three dog cliches uh. in less than 10 seconds. Well done, Eric. Wow, that was great. Leanne Wheeler rounds up the panel from uh, Wheeler Advisory Group, also an Air Force vet. Great to have you back, Leanne. Uh, what do you think of uh, Mayor Hancock's stance on this and where the council might go? I believe he should sign, and I know that they're actively counting their votes in the event they need to veto, and um, word on the street is they have them. All right. U.S. Senator Michael Bennett officially dropped out of the presidential race on Tuesday night after dismal results in New Hampshire. Meanwhile, as primary ballots arrived in Colorado mailboxes this week, the presidential race is heating up. Former Mayor Wellington Webb endorsed Michael Bloomberg. Bernie Sanders announced plans for now an expanded rally this weekend. And more visits from other candidates are in the works. 
Patty, um, I, I realize Colorado felt the burn, uh, and clearly if the rally's expanding tomorrow, that the, it's still going strong here. But, boy, we've seen a lot of ads from Michael Bloomberg, and it's not as if uh, Colorado wouldn't necessarily be attracted to uh, other moderates that are doing well, like Pete Buttigieg. And then there's Michael Bennett, who gave it the, the good college try, but is out. Take your pick from a variety of presidential issues this week. Well, first, let's admit that I was very wrong when we were at the Academy for Lifelong Learning, and I believe I predicted Michael Bennett might win the Colorado primary. That is clearly not going to happen. I will say probably Bernie will. The interest in Bernie right now in this state, you cannot ignore the fact that just the announcement that he was coming got everyone saying what they wanted to go. They had to go to a bigger space in the Colorado Convention Center. Um, I am sorry to see Michael Bennett go because when you could actually hear him, Um, and you could occasionally, people would follow him. He had a lot of good common sense positions. Uh, We welcome him back to Colorado. We are glad that he will pay attention to the state for a while, but it's going to be crazy here. We can't feel special that Bloomberg is running commercials in Colorado (laughs) because he is clearly dropping hundreds of millions of dollars around the states. But we'll see him back. Biden is coming, although he's not doing a public appearance on Monday. He's going to go to a fundraiser at Ken Salazar's. And then Mayor Pete's coming on the 22nd to Aurora. So we will see plenty of people before March 3rd. Uh, you're exactly right about that point, that we should not necessarily feel special about uh, seeing Bloomberg commercials. Uh, millions of people are seeing those. You're right. Uh, David, uh, take your pick on this one, whether you want to look at Bennett or where Colorado Democrats might go. We're voting a little earlier than usual or part of Super Tuesday, uh, or is this going to be kind of a repeat of Bernie's success in 2016? Well, part of his success then was he was it was him versus Hillary, so a lot of people, it was a protest vote against Hillary, but obviously he does have a, a, a strong and very uh, dedicated base. Um, I was sorry to see Bennett go as well. I think he was, uh, for the Democrats, he probably, had he been the nominee, would have had the best chance uh, of, of defeating Trump and was also uh, more firm about not letting the woke Twitterati uh, push him into ridiculous uh, and indefensible positions the way so much of the rest of the field has gone that way. And one of the things I liked about his campaign was he said, if I'm president, you won't have to think about me all the time. I'll, I'll, I'll keep an eye on North Korea. I'll end the trade war. And you can go raise your kids without, you know, and then maybe only think about me once every two weeks. And that would be in a nonpartisan way, great for this country. We've gone way, way, way too far in this celebrity cult of the omnipresent, 1,000% all the time TV character president. Trump and Obama are the uh, current worst of that, but it's something that really goes back all the way to, to Teddy Roosevelt as the celebrity president. He would have been a, a great change uh, from that in, in style. And I just want to make a prediction, uh, which might be wrong, but I'll, I'll make it. I've been saying it for months, and I'll put it on the air. We get to a contested convention. Mm-hmm. Nobody comes in with a majority, and the candidate who comes out of the convention with the uh, strong support of the entire party is Michelle Obama. Well, uh, another uh, <laughs> vanilla milk toast take from our friend David Kopel. Uh, yeah. Eric, I, following David is, is never an easy task. So on this one, you can go, Bennett. Let me, let me start there. If you want to go with the other candidates, it's fine. Michael Bennett in his run for president, uh, did overall, did it help him or hurt him? I don't think it hurt him. Uh, I think it put him a little bit more on the national radar. 
he emerged with his reputation intact. I don't think he was tarnished in any way. Probably he never got enough traction to really be tarnished because no one else was taking shots at him because he never really rose to that level. I think the future is still in front of Michael Bennett, whether he wants to be a long-term senator, to join the cabinet, perhaps to have another run for the White House in a different circumstance in a different year. No, I don't think it uh, hurt him. And I think Coloradans like when they're People are sort of at the center of the action, or in Michael's case, at least in the wings. Uh, you know, we all talk about the two lanes in the Democratic Party, sort of the hard progressive lane where Bernie Sanders is pretty clearly edged out, Elizabeth Warren, and I think Elizabeth Warren at this point is probably a you know, dead woman walking. I just don't know how she, she's trying to bank now on Nevada. I just don't know how you come back from that. And then the more moderate centrist lane, which is really a muddle right now, which works to Bernie's advantage because he has that left lane to himself. But in the centrist lane and not in any order, you have Buttigieg, Klobuchar coming on, Bloomberg, uh, the ghost of Joe Biden. Just a little <laughs> factoid about uh, Vice President Biden. He has now run for president three times. His highest finish in any caucus or any primary that he's participated in was fourth place in Iowa a couple weeks ago. Uh, the notion of him as this political giant killer is just not borne out by his runs for presidency for president. He'll do a little bit better than that in South Carolina, but it's still this is not a happening deal, and it is sort of painful to painful to watch uh, as it as it unravels. Uh, there, there's an anomaly here, and then I'll turn it over to Leanne, where so many Democrats say the number one imperative, the number one thing they're looking for is somebody who can beat Donald Trump. And obvious reasons Democrats feel that way. And yet, the leading candidate right now is the one probably least able to defeat Donald Trump, or at least who would be the biggest underdog in Bernie Sanders, because he's not a 50% candidate in the Democratic Party. He's probably about a 30% candidate. But when the other 70% is fractured in multiple ways, 30 looks like a big number. I think you're you're right, Eric, that I think a month and a half ago we would have said, well, the left wing of the party was going to be fractured between Warren and Sanders, and the longer that fight went, the better for Biden, because he can just sit there with the moderate wing. It's trying to just be opposite. Now there's four four or five folks fighting for the moderate heart of the party, and the, the left wing of the party might be coalesced by South Carolina. Who knows? Uh, Leanne, uh, Colorado would love, it has always been a purple state. We've We've played back and forth with a little bit uh, bluer shade to it, and I think we like to think of ourselves as important, a swing state. Are we a bellwether for Colorado? Are, are, are we a bellwether for the West? And does that mean we're going to start seeing a lot more president, uh, presidential candidates even past uh, Super Tuesday? I believe we will. I, I, I want to say this. Do not sleep on the 18 to 24 demographic. When we look back on 2016, only half of those who were registered to vote actually voted. And then we created some stories around what half of them did and what the other half, uh, what the other half did. I think the good thing about uh, this president, and it will be the only good thing I say about this president, um, is that he has awakened a, a group of folks who have not heretofore participated in the uh, electoral process. I'm expecting all of those folks to come out. Um, I'm not surprised, having finished up my Air Force career in Colorado Springs, that we're seeing certain candidates uh, land there and spend time there and get out, and others hit the metro area, specifically Aurora, uh, where Bloomberg just um, opened an office next door to my barber. And, and so having trolled that facility and seeing the, the amount of activity uh, on, on uh, uh, at that building, I'm not sure 
um, that Bloomberg's money is being spent well uh, in Colorado. I know that I agree with you, David. We are in a reality television kind of a, a, a world right now around this presidential election. And they're trying to set up this battle of the titans or the battle of the billionaires or or something. And uh, I'd like to think that there are folks who are stealthily considering what they will go do and that they will go do the opposite of what the, the rhetoric and the reality TV presence of this presidency is doing. The Colorado State Senate Judiciary Committee passed the bill to limit the number of out-of-state inmates and study the impact of closing private prisons after adding various amendments to the bill this week. Uh, David, I'll turn to you. This bill went through a roller coaster of, seemingly, a roller coaster of changes. Uh, were they impactful? Do you think they, uh, what, what happens from here? Oh, they were, uh, I think, very beneficial for the bill. My dad, who served 22 years in the Colorado State House, said bicameralism is really important because a lot of times you get a bill that goes through one house without much of a look, and then in the second house, they really. Uh, they more thoughtful about it, and certainly the, the Senate committee uh, improved the bill a lot from saying basically we're going to put private prisons on a path to termination to instead saying we're going to, to study it and we're also going to consider the impacts on, on rural counties. I feel kind of torn on it. I mean, I'm, I'm back on that, that Brand X other public television channel. Uh, a, while, a while ago, I debated Roy Romer's uh, head of the Department of Corrections, Ari Zavaris, who loved private prisons, and I was pretty skeptical on him. So I, I agree with the ideology on the bill. But then you've also got to consider that the practical impacts is, one, Bent and Crowley counties have explained very well that if, if those private prisons close, that's the end of those, those counties economically. Um, and secondly, the, the impetus behind the bill is we want to fight the prison industrial complex. Well, you don't really do that by having the same number of prisoners and just putting them in government prisons rather than government contracted prisons. You know, in, in California, the, the state prison guards union is the most powerful thing of the legislature, basically. They're more powerful than the teachers union. So I, I'm not sure this really makes much progress against that uh, complex that the sponsors want to fight against. Eric, from your analysis, when you see this many changes in a committee, does it, uh, necess does it necessarily damn or grease the wheels for its progress? I don't know if it, it's so different that the, the people looking at it now is like, well, gosh, this isn't what I signed up for before, or they made it a lot better. You see this many changes. What does it make you think? It can go both ways with different legislation. My gut tells me on this legislation they probably improved it or at least improved its uh, political viability, although I hear that the governor is still not on record with it uh, and not necessarily on board with it. I mean, he has clearly put a stake in the ground as being opposed to private prisons. And ultimately, in this conflict, whatever the future of this legislation, I would bet on Jared Polis in terms of both his influence in the legislature or just his ability to run the executive branch and control where his Department of Corrections uh, dollars ultimately go. So that, that, that's where my money is here. To David's point, I mean, in terms of Bent County and Crowley County, the statistic out of Crowley County is just overwhelming. 54% of their property tax base, north of $1 out of every two property tax dollars they raise, comes from uh, this private prison facility. So yes, it would have a devastating impact. Whether that is enough to control what legislators from uh, 62 other counties are going to do here, uh, I am doubtful. I think this bill will, uh, will, will travel some distance. Leanne, uh, for Colorado, are private prisons a jobs issue or a moral question? 
It's both, actually. And I think that um, our rural neighbors ha should have an expectation that the Colorado legislature is ensuring their pursuit of, um, of life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Um, what we can't do is continually put rural areas in the position that a single large employer is their only economic opportunity. Um, back in 2013, when the facility on Fort Lyon was repurposed, Colorado Coalition for the Homeless picked that up, um, and now we have folks who were living there. Um, I was actually a part of that repurpose effort. Um, we were looking to figure out what other economic opportunities can we create uh, on this 566 acres where you have water rights, where you have your own electrical grid. How do we do this? And then pull in community to do that. And so I sat in on uh, the hearing uh, the other night uh, on House Bill uh, 1019, so saw some of the same folks. And so now we're regenerating that discussion. Um, the difference, David, I would say, uh, between a private and a state-run prison is the profit motive. And so we see a lot of what happens with sentencing tied to uh, contracts that we've, that we've let in the state of Colorado that say we will, in fact, ensure this number of beds are um, full. So it's both. And I think this legislature owes every citizen in the state uh, an economic opportunity that doesn't look like a single large employer uh, where fear is instilled once it's threatened. Petty, uh, where do you think this is going to go? Well, I think we're going to have a lot more discussion about the rural areas because I think they'll be very sympathetic to the plight of two of the rural counties that could lose their employers, their big employment bases and their property tax bases. It's going to take a long time to replace these prisons, and we don't see a lot of effort being put in. I mean, Fort Lyons took a long time to take off. It's a great project, but is there the will to do that again, something on that scale in these other counties? So the moral issue is one. I have to say I haven't seen that Colorado's prisons are run so beautifully that the nonprofit motive is not necessarily better than the profit motive when you're coming down to how to treat people humanely. So perhaps the bill will also put in, if we keep the private prisons, maybe a little more oversight by the state. Republican state lawmakers introduced four anti-LGBTQ bills in the Colorado House this week, which were immediately killed by Democrats. Among the proposals were bills limiting the definition of marriage to, between a man and a woman and a bill that would have allowed businesses to refuse service to LGBTQ people. Uh, Eric, I realize that the, the, the set of these bills, which took on a lot of different issues, were part of a national effort. So you saw it in different uh, state legislatures. It was still surprised me that so many Republican lawmakers in Colorado were willing to put their names on something that theoretically would have turned back the clock to something that we as a state <laughs> battled 30 years ago. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be so surprised. What did you think? I thought it was all about theater. I thought about it was all about base politics, playing to your base. It was never about affecting public policy because they knew these things uh, were dead on arrival. I'm constantly amazed by the Colorado Republican Party. I sometimes compare it to, you know, to almost to an addiction. What do they say about addicts? You have to hit bottom. And uh, the Colorado Republican Party has been on a downward trajectory here since the early 2000s with only very minimal blips where they would win something. You would think 2018 would be bottom. I mean, they just lost everything there was to lose. It wasn't close. There are now as many Democrats in the Colorado State House as there are Republicans in the State House and State Senate combined. That speaks to the size of the Democratic majority. Uh, and yet they continue to play around with foolish stuff like that to try to appease not their entire base, but a specific element 
of their base. I think there is one caution in here for Democrats and, and for advocates and supporters of gay rights, which is increasingly the gay rights agenda, gay marriage, stuff that has been fought and those battles won over past years is becoming defined by the transgender movement. And I think that is somewhat tougher political terrain for liberals to fight on. Uh, and I think you may even see that play out over the course of this year. So that's a small yellow caution flag. But does, this still ends up accruing to the Republicans' detriment. It doesn't help them win suburban seats and other seats they need to, tr to try to come back here. Lee, and I looked at this, and I, I realized that parties in the minority submit bills doomed for failure all the time. And they do it quite often, as uh, Eric uh, pointed out, for their base. Mm -hmm. If I were a, a Republican in Colorado, I'd be pretty offended by the idea that um, we're going to try to really reinforce your vote by trying to get us back to a law that was overturned by the, the United States Supreme Court. Um, and there's probably details are different there, but it's still, it's, we're, we're arguing things from 30 years ago. Um, is, is this something that, uh, while might appeal to a certain part of the base, ends up uh, further turning off those 40% of Coloradans that are unaffiliated? It does. As an unaffiliated voter in Colorado, I'm completely turned off by, by efforts like this. Um, I think there is a general sentiment that the party uh, will help uh, bolster some of these runs for re-election, and they wanted to be on the right side of um, their history that way. I sat in on some of those testimonies uh, on yesterday, and I can tell you that it, the, the more uh, constituents spoke and the more that, that uh, folks who were affected um, negatively by such legislation even being proposed, um, they did what they had to do uh, in, the, in those hearings yesterday. And the Republican Party in Colorado took a hit. And I don't know that they come back from this with, with those of us who are, who, who are centrist in, in much of our thinking and moderate in most of our thinking uh, when, you, when you pull shenanigans like this. No. Patty, it's hard for the uh, Colorado GOP to get the headlines, and when they do, it is yet to really be uh, glowing for them. Uh, what do you make of this latest one? Yes, you can't buy good publicity like this. Anyone who lived through 1992 when Colorado became branded as the hate state after Amendment 2 was passed, we don't want to go back there again. And now you see three decade, more than three decade, out of dated out-of-date proposals coming in. It's so cynical and so silly that six of these bills come in that are obviously going to be shot down. There is no point. It makes the Colorado Republicans seem completely out of tune. You can have moral issues. You can come up, you can say, I don't want transgender bathrooms. You can come up with a very specific argument. Maybe there's a bill that people could actually have a civil, useful conversation over it. But these six bills were not those. David, it seems I want to piggyback on what, what uh, Patty said because I think there's some, still some conversation, some civ civic and hopefully uh, civil discussion around uh, different issues around uh, transgender discussions. But to tie it to these other bills that were reminiscent of, of 92 seem to uh, put that conversation on the, on, on the back. What do you think? The smartest thing for the Republicans to do would have been just to have one of those bills, and that's one which the legislature should have passed and which I think would have overwhelming support in Colorado, and that is on the protecting female sports. My fraternity brother, Calvin, who was a hockey player, uh, later became Callie. Now, if Calvin and Callie had done that change when 
at age 20 rather than at age 40, would it have been fair for Callie to kick somebody off the, the university's women's hockey team? Because Callie had been through puberty as a male, which gives you a lifelong advantage in muscle strength and bone density, and no hormone treatment will overcome that. It is cheating when some athlete with a penis comes in and sets the girl's record in state track or something else. It takes away opportunities from female athletes to win scholarships and honors. It's completely unfair and and wrong, and I hope the Connecticut uh, girl athletes who have been victimized by this uh, are successful in their Title IX suit because it is certainly a form of discrimination against female athletes to say that people with penises can compete against them in girls' sports. Clearly, there's more discussion about this, and clearly, uh, we have been chatty today. We are uh, just over two minutes left, and we still have to say uh, disgrace that we can say something nice. So, we will do that. It's time to say some, uh, disgrace that we are very, very part of the show. Patty, please start us off rather quickly. CU's loss is Michigan State's loss of tens of millions of dollars. Good riddance to Mel Tucker. David. Well, there's that, but I've got to sort of celebrate something disgraceful, which is Joe Biden's long career of malarkey finally coming to an end. And part of the, the, the besides lying for decades about the truck driver who he falsely accused of being drunk and killing his wife, he, like Trump, he said, oh, everything I did about Ukraine was perfect, which was might not have been criminal, but it was very wrong. Eric. Well, speaking of our president, I guess he's my uh, go-to go for this category. Uh, anyone who thought he would be at all chastened by the impeachment, he's nothing but emboldened, as we saw this week, vis-a-vis -vis the Department of Justice and the four prosecutors. Completely inappropriate what the president did. Good for them for resigning. Leanne. Completely disgraceful. Follow-up. Uh, traumatic brain injury really is an injury. And if this commander-in-chief can't get his mind around that, then uh, please know that we need to, to vote him out. Time to say something nice about somebody rather quickly. Patty. Everyone who helped with Westward's move this week, I'm going to be auctioning off a box I haven't opened for 20 years for the benefit of Channel 12. I so, am so you'll see it for next that. week. Storage Wars Denver. This is great. David. Well, that was actually also mine as well. And Patty's article in Westward about the history of where they moved, it shows every they keep on moving and apparently gentrifying the neighborhood and then making it so expensive they can't afford to stay there anymore. So if you want some good real estate investment for the next five or ten years, buy the new block they're moving into. Here, here. Eric. Two friends of mine, uh, both uh, women, uh, powerhouse women around Denver, uh, recently re released a book they wrote called When Women Vote. Uh, Amber McReynolds and Stephanie Donner, very well done. Leanne. Second Chance Center is staging 50 units for unhoused neighbors beginning Monday, uh, February 17th through the 24th. We would love to have all hands on deck for that effort. Before we go tonight, I want to remind you that you can catch our special Colorado Inside Out on the road tonight at 9 p.m. We taped at the Academy for Lifelong Learning, and we had a great discussion. Then we spent a good 30 minutes talking to, uh, taking questions from the audience. If you miss it tonight, go to cpt12.org and check it out online. That's all the time we have for this episode of Colorado Inside Out. For everyone here at CPT12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for watching. Good night.